Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Got a special episode today. Joined by Derek from NYY Recaps YouTube channel, also a podcast. Uh, definitely go check them out. Derek, welcome to the show. Appreciate you having me, Andrew. How's it going? Good. Uh, before we dive into to everything uh, about the past couple games against the Mets, why don't you just tell people who you are, what you do, how long you've been doing the YouTube uh, channel sure. and all that kind of stuff. So... I am new to the Blue Wire podcast network, uh, NYY Recaps. It's one of the bigger Yankees channels on YouTube. I think it's like number two or three in views. Um, essentially, I do a live post-game show after every single Yankees game with highlights and fans in the chat reacting. Uh, and then just a lot of like, you know, high production quality videos, um, you know, throughout the year, off-season uh, and then, uh, you know, pre-games occasionally. So it's kind of like a all-in-one Yankees channel that's just been a side project of mine since, I'd say, 2019. Uh, right around the time they signed Garrett Cole was the first video oh. I made. Yeah. Wow. So that's, I mean, that's fairly that's fairly new. It is pretty new, yeah. Um, I mean, we're growing quick. I, I kind of got lucky. So I started out, you know, I wanted to do like a movie slash entertainment channel, but nobody was watching it. But I, it, it was great because it taught me how to make videos, how to, you know, set up my equipment and all that stuff. And then when the Yankees signed Garrett Cole, I decided, hey, I'm just going to do another channel and just talk about the Yankees and see what happens. And some people tuned in. And then like a, maybe a couple of weeks later, the Astros scandal broke. And oh. I think it was my second or third video got like 60,000 views. And that kind of just kind of propelled me. And so I was like, well, this is something where, you know, people like what I have to say. So I just started doing it more and more and it kind of got out of control and now it's become like my life. So a uh, ton of fun. So, so much of these things is timing. Uh, Scott and I have talked a uh, number of times, like we started this podcast back in 2015, which for, for podcasting sake is, is pretty old. Um, yeah. and we got in right before the wave of everyone in their grandma, grandmother has a podcast, which was yeah. obviously good for us. We got to build that subscriber base. And people have stuck with us. Some people, you know, will still message us saying like, hey, I've listened to every one of your episodes, which <laughs> is which is awesome. And, and that's, you know, my the favorite thing about um, this podcast for me is is the listeners and engaging with the listeners and, and hearing them and, and meeting them at the stadium or whatever it is. But yeah, so much of it is timing. Like you said, you were you were doing a movie channel and then and then boom, stuff blew up with baseball yeah. and we're able to be here today. So 
Uh, that's awesome. Congrats on on the success with with the YouTube page. Appreciate that, man. Appreciate it. It's uh, it's great to be a part of the network. Hopefully, we can continue to grow the audio side, and we'd love to have you guys, you know, on periodically as the channel grows to do, you know, watch parties and things like that. Yeah, for sure. So let's get into it. How you feeling about this team? Couple four to two victories, and we're back, baby. Yeah, three three four to two victories in a row. And I'll tell you what, it's nice to have a day off after a win streak. You know that everybody just feels like an enormous amount of pressure has been lifted. I mean, that team, it was becoming almost a mental thing. You could see it with Aaron Boone in the post-game press conference slamming the table. He doesn't usually boil over like that. You could tell when they lost the lead late in some games that, you know, not only the life was leaving the team, but it was leaving the stadium. But I thought that the energy in the ballpark was great this week. Uh, you saw them answer right back after some, you know, scoring by the Mets. And we saw some guys step up. Andrew Benatendi is rounding into form. Frankie Montas looked a lot better last night. So I'm feeling a little bit more optimistic than if you had asked me that question a couple weeks ago. Can you imagine? Because the way the homestand started, obviously losing the series to Tampa and then getting your ass absolutely handed to you by Toronto for those first three games. You get the big victory on Sunday, but if if you just like, you know, stumbled to the finish line of this homestand, that flight west would have been freaking yeah. miserable for those guys. And you're right. It's like after the off day, you can take positives away from the last three days, even though the offense still is struggling and, and the offense still should be way better than scoring four runs, even with the injuries that they have. Yeah, you, you can at least hang on to some positives going out west. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this team responds to, you know, this slow upward climb that they're beginning to make. You know, you got seven games against teams that you really should beat, and you don't want to have a three and four trip or a a two and five trip. You really want to come out and win the first three or four games and just kind of establish, hey, we're back. You're getting Giancarlo back in the lineup that should kind of take some pressure off of some guys. Aaron Judge, once again, like, he had been slumping in, in the worst way for about 10 days or so, but he's really turned it on the last couple of days. That changes the lineup. It means you got to pitch to the guys around him. I think having Ben Intendi heating up in front of him is going to lead to more, you know, two-run home runs and things like that. And it kind of helps you turn over the lineup. If you get a light hitter like IKF getting on base at the bottom of the order, you know, maybe Cabrera continues to, you know, round into form. We saw him pick up another hit li- last night. You get some guys at the bottom of the order getting on base with their singles and things like that and then you turn it over to some guys who are swinging the bat well i'm feeling i'm feeling pretty good well uh what do you think of ben intendi leading off because i actually really like it and yeah and i think you know obviously lemayhu has been the leadoff guy for for the last few years on this team but i the more i thought about it the more i really like ben intendi in the leadoff role yeah, I like Ben Intendi in the leadoff role for a couple of reasons. One, it, it never hurts to have a dangerous left-handed hitter up first at Yankee Stadium, right? And getting pitches to hit in front of Aaron Judge. If you've got a weak hitter hitting behind Andrew Benintendi, you really don't have to give him anything to hit. You can pitch him outside, especially at Yankee Stadium, and he's going to hit the ball where it's pitched. But at Yankee Stadium, a lot of times those you know hard shots towards the you know outfield and left field are outs, you know, whereas they might be doubles or home runs at another ballpark. But, um, you know, I I think he's well-suited for the top of the order. He runs the base as well. And it allows you to go lefty-righty, lefty-righty to start the game. And if you want, if you want to scooch in Cabrera, you know, 
maybe in the sixth spot, you go lefty, righty, lefty, righty. You know, you can keep it going a little bit. Maybe Hicks, if you if you really want to throw off the opposition. But I like it. Yeah, I agree. I was thinking about it. Like when Stanton is back, you get Benintendi, Judge, Rizzo, Stanton as the top four. Right. Uh, and then I, I guess you put LeMahieu fifth. Uh, now, it's kind of funny. It's like you take LeMahieu out of the leadoff role and he's kind right. of like floating around in no man's land. But I still yeah. like him with runners on base. You know, he's going to put bat on ball. And, and to me, that's important with runners on base. So I, it might change depending on if it's a lefty starter or a righty starter who he goes yeah. lead off. But but yeah, Benintendi starting to hit has been huge because you had to think also, you talked about mental thing. That was probably starting to get mental for him. He yeah. came over as a 320 hitter and then his average was sub 300. Right. Yeah, it's it's got to be just a, a huge amount of pressure. And, and I think that Montas last night probably took a huge amount of pressure off of himself too. That was his best outing as a Yankee in Yankee Stadium. You beat the Mets. Yeah. Fans are going to kind of give you a little bit of slack. Now, maybe you go out west and you pitch well against your former team in your old ballpark. You know, uh, I, some of the new guys, obviously, um, not available right now, Bader uh, and Efros. But the other guys are all playing pretty well. I thought Trevino has looked good the last couple of days. Or Trevino, I get that messed he up had, every time. I mean, Trevino's uh, multi-out, uh, multi-inning save the other night was was massive. I mean, oh, that, huge. Yeah, and he he's he had underlying peripherals that were really good, and his you know his traditional numbers looked pretty crappy when he came over. But then we we sort of dove into the numbers. I know his ground ball rate was really good, and and so you had to figure Blake would get his paws on him and start yeah. and start to improve that, and like maybe we're seeing that. Yeah, it's interesting to see what changes Matt Blake makes right away to guys. You know, we've seen that Montas is throwing the fastball more. We've seen other guys adopt the changeup really quickly. Clay Holmes pretty much stopped throwing anything but the sinker when they got him. Uh, Trevino, it looks like they're getting him to use his slider more. And, uh, you know, I'm just liking the way that he's kind of getting more confident out there each and every time. Now, Efros obviously out for a little bit, but I've liked what I've seen from him, too. He's around the plate, and he he throws a lot of innings. So, you know, a reliable starter. I mean, a reliable reliever would be, you know, huge addition. And he was getting high-leverage spots. Now, everyone's getting high-leverage spots at this point because the bullpen has been dealing with injuries and inconsistencies. And it's basically, we were joking before we started recording. It's like, are you available to pitch tonight? Great. Yeah. You, might, you might close tonight. So get ready, yeah. kid. Like, we saw them try and get the three out game finish it wouldn't have been a save for schmidt last night because he came in an entire game but it, you know in essence it was she was trying to save the game there uh couldn't quite finish it went to peralta but it's almost like who next man up mentality in the bullpen right now i mean yeah is that good or is that bad i don't know i've always said if you ha if you don't have a closer if you have closer by committee then you have no closer right Right now, I don't think it's a huge issue. Like we said, schedule's lightening up. You should be able to win these next seven games on offense alone. Just if you start to swing the bats a little better, get some decent outings out of your starter, you kind of let guys fill their roles. But if you get down to the playoffs and you haven't gotten this settled, that's an issue. Yeah. I think Aroldis Chapman has been a huge issue. You can't trust him in a close game right now. He had a brief stint where I was like, oh, that looks like the Chapman that we, yeah. we, we used to know, but it's... It's way too inconsistent. Yeah, his mechanics are so max effort, right, that I think it can be difficult to repeat them night in and night out. Whereas you look at somebody like Mike King, for instance, who was leading the American League in FWAR uh, when he went on the IL. Just a very simple, no wind up, just from the stretch, simple 
kind of throws slightly across his body, but everything's very repeatable. Whereas Araldus has this humongous arm swing, this enormous stride. His stride is longer, I think, than any pitcher in baseball still. Well, his legs are nine feet long. (laughs) Right, right. He's got these enormous, I don't know if you've ever seen his hands up close. I mean, if you shook your hand, they'd wrap around your hand like three times. This guy has enormous hands, enormous fingers. There's so many factors, and he throws so hard with such a high spin rate that, you know, it, a lot of things have to go right. You know, my, my old coaches used to say, the more moving parts, the more chance there is for something to go wrong. So, yeah. you know, I like guys who kind of keep it simple. <laughs> it's always funny. I was, I'm going to bring up Mariano Rivera and the simplicity of his mechanics. And it's oh, yeah. always funny whenever you compare someone to the greatest of all time. But the reason that Mariano Rivera was so successful for so long is because his mechanics were so simple and repeatable. And I've read a million things about that, heard people talk about that a million times. Is He was still good into his 40s because it was the same mechanics as when he was 39 years old, 29 years old, 19 years old. Right. Your body gets used to it. You get the muscle memory. It, It takes stress off of the arm. He never really had arm troubles. He had a little bit of arm troubles in the minor leagues. And then late in his career, I think he had a sore elbow at one point. But for the most part, he was completely healthy. And it, when you repeat your mechanics that well, it allows you to fine-tune your command, right? And that's something that Araldus Chapman has never had. So if we are talking about the bullpen uh, as we're entering October, right? It's like hopefully the team is turning it around and they can start to play better leading into October. Ideally, Clay Holmes comes back and, and is the lockdown closer again. But how confident are you that that's going to happen? Because what we saw out of him the last month was, I think we looked this up, starting with his appearance on July 3rd or something like that, he didn't have a clean appearance at all. It was always right. one or two guys on. And even if it wasn't, it was deep counts because he couldn't find the plate. So how confident are you he's going to be back? I'd say I'm I'm more hopeful than confident. Yeah. Uh, look, he's, he's on the I.L. with, you know, some soreness in the shoulder, right? Is that, was that the, the diagnosis? It was shoulder No, issues? it was, it was back. It was, it back. was, remember, that's right. It, it was like it, his back was sore. That's right. Okay. <laughs> it's, so, a, it's a phantom IL. That's what I, that's what I was thinking. It's like, he didn't seem hurt. Like everything seemed good. This seemed like, seems like more of a mental break. Maybe they're, they're giving him some time off in the pitching lab to get right. Maybe. And I think that, you know, they're not going to bring him back until he's right. You know, um, he was awful with Pittsburgh. They don't want that guy in the bullpen. You want the guy that you created last year. I think you're going to see more uh, opportunities for Marinaccio. He's been fantastic. Luizaga has been good three out of the last four times. I think that Luis Severino deserves a real look out of the bullpen when he comes back. Here's the problem with that, though. (laughs) They traded Jordan Montgomery specifically because he wasn't going to get a playoff start, right? Like that yeah. that's the narrative that we've heard. We've got Cole, Montas, then hopefully Severino coming back, and then Nestor Cortez is ideally the 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 fourth pitcher. He might not start game four. I mean, shit, Nestor Cortez might be your best pitcher. You might start right. him. But, but if Severino's in the bullpen, you're going with Tyone then. And, you know, Tyone's been, been good overall, but he's been wild swings of inconsistency and he had that right. stretch of i think it was nine games where he was just completely awful seems like he's he's guaranteed to give up at least one home run no matter what yeah so if severino goes to the bullpen which i'm not completely opposed to kind of flies in the face of what your entire 
deadline plan was here? Well, I mean, Domingo Herman's been actually throwing the ball pretty well. It wouldn't surprise me if the Yankees went to him for maybe a four-inning playoff start. You don't want him going deep into the game because he runs out of gas, same as Jordan Montgomery. But I could see the playoff rotation being Garrett Cole, Nestor Cortez, um, Frankie Montas, and Domingo Herman. those being your four. And then that fourth day being kind of like a, a piggyback day where you go for four innings with Herman and maybe two innings with Severino or Clark Schmidt or whomever. Yeah. Look, I, I'm not confident that Jameson Tyone's going to touch a baseball, even though he's got 11 wins this year. Uh, I don't know what his ERA is in the second half, but it's not good. It's over four for the season now. I don't, I don't envision any scenario where he gets a playoff start. But I don't think you need him unless somebody gets hurt. If somebody gets hurt, then yeah, uh, Severino's going to have to step into the rotation. But we saw them use Severino out of the bullpen last year in the wild card game. So we know that, you know, he's comfortable out of the bullpen. He was dominant out of the pen down the stretch last year. And he's over his innings limit. And he's got one more year, presumably under contract as a starter. You know, your guess is as good as mine, what they do with him. I could go either way, start with him. But I think the way I would personally use him is out of the pen. That's interesting. And you would start Herman and piggyback with Severino versus the other way around? Yeah, I think, yeah, Severino, because you can use him, you know, presumably early in the series for an inning, maybe two. And then, and then in game four, in you game can four. still use him, you know, for two, three innings. And he's got more experience coming out of the pen in high leverage spots, certainly, but also with success than Herman does. Right. Uh, yeah, Herman. I mean, Herman outpitched Scherzer on Monday, right? Like he's he's definitely been throwing the ball better. It it, it would just be you, you better be right on that if you're handing the ball in a game four of an ALDS to Domingo Herman when Jordan Montgomery is throwing Greg Maddox like performances for the St. Louis Cardinals. Well, also, you know, they they did hand the ball to Jordan Montgomery in Game Four of the ALDS against the Rays a couple of years ago. You remember that? And they yeah they did that same kind of thing where they went. Was four. that Game Three or Game Four? Because they did the whole like Deve was, Garcia debacle with Jay Happ. I think that was Game Two, right? Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah. so who was Game Three? I, I think Montgomery was Game Four. I think it was Game Four. Okay. I could be wrong on that. Yeah, pitched, uh, he was he three? was Game Four. Tanaka pitched Game Three. Ha! Our guy Tanaka. I miss Tanaka. I miss I miss 2014 Tanaka. <laughs> oh god. That that Tanaka was un, unreal up until he had that elbow issue. I think he was 11 and 1 with a 1.99 ERA to begin that season. Young and I was thinking this guy's not human. He just doesn't lose. And then the the elbow and he was essentially never the same with the fastball again. It was never above 95. Quick aside, I went to, so he came back from injury. He opted not to get surgery. He came back and did one start at the end of the year in Boston. It also happened to be the second to last uh, game of Jeter. I was at, I was at that game. Yeah. Um, didn't get tickets to the final, final Jeter game, but I was in the stands for that one, which was, which was pretty awesome. That was my wedding day. Oh shit. Uh, so yeah. So <laughs> I saw the game, but <laughs> but yeah, it ceremonies was, uh, at four thirty or something like exactly. that. Games at one o'clock. You got plenty of time. Exactly. My life, for as long as I can remember, has been built around baseball, and everybody in my life kind of understands that. I got friends all the time inviting me. Hey, you want to go play golf? You want to go out and do this and that? I'm like, no, sorry, man. I got to watch the Yankee game. They're like, it's June. Who cares? Like, it's like I care. That's you know. Do you so, have kids? I don't have kids. No, there's okay. there, people ask me all the all the time, like. 
Derek, when are you guys going to have kids? I'm like, there's plenty of people. Like, there's there's people <laughs> everywhere. Well, I, was, I bring that up because I do have an 18-month-old son. And I had to readjust my expectations of sitting on the couch at 7.05 every night. Yeah. Like, this just... You know, it might be on the iPad as I'm doing other things right. to start the game, unfortunately. That's the reality of my life right now. Maybe once he's a little bit older, I can get back to the 705 on the couch routine. I had a streak from 1992 until 2001 where I never missed a Yankees game. And then uh, I, once I got to college, the Yes Network wasn't available. This was before MLB TV. The local radio station used to simulcast the John Sterling WFAN uh, at that time, it was Steiner was his uh, yes. broadcast partner, eventually mm -hmm. became Susan Waldman, I think, after one year. But this is how I ended up eating Elizabeth's Pizza on Market Street in Wilmington 97 days in a row, <laughs> is I would essentially just go buy a pizza and sit in the car and listen to the game every single day. So I had to keep my streak as alive as I could. Uh, but these days, I, I watch pretty much uh, 158 out of 162, and I just catch the highlights on a couple of late night West Coast ones. I treat that as my my vacation. What, uh, where are you from originally? So I grew up in Dutchess County, New York, uh, a little okay. place called Beekman. Uh, and, uh, it was great. Eddie Murphy was my neighbor. It was awesome. We had a little, uh, baseball field in the backyard. I moved to North Carolina, uh, when I was in high school because I was a, a pretty decent baseball prospect and my parents wanted me to be able to play year round. So we moved to Durham, North Carolina, ended up oh, going nice. to the state championship, won a silver medal. Um, and you know, arm blew out. <laughs> uh, so you were a pitcher. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, I had, I'm, I hold a North Carolina record. I threw two perfect games. Wow. And, uh, my shoulder just, just gave out. Shit. At what age? Well, it gave out when I was roughly 19, but it, it's, I, I pitched with it for a long time after that. I still remember the play. There was a dribbler. Uh, I was pitching and there was a kind of a dribbler in between the mound and third base and i went and i grabbed it and i threw it at first and i just felt it go uh, and i just kept playing through it and then i played in a semi-pro league for many many years and i remember 2008 specifically i had had a really good year in 2007 in the fall i think i had won seven straight games and then i come out for the spring in my first uh throwing session it just felt a little cranky and i went to my, my nephew's birthday party and i went to go pick him up and I had no strength in my right side. And I, I went and got the uh, MRI and I had a torn labrum. And ever since then, uh, that's, uh, you know, that's been it. <laughs> ever, ever since then, you've just been watching baseball. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that's, that's, I mean, that's, you know, per, you say 158 out of 162 now. That's still, that's still pretty damn, that's still pretty damn high, even with those West Coast games. Did you stay up for the whole third? It was 13 inning Seattle marathon a couple weeks back. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I haven't missed an inning yet this season. I, things have changed a little bit since I started doing a, a live daily show because I feel bad, like taking a night off. It, you know, it, it becomes a habit show for people sure. where they, they come and they, you know, they get ticked off if I take a day off, you know, and I'm pretty much the only, well, there's one or two that, that do every single game, but you know, when I when I take a day off, I, I really catch a lot of crap for it these days. So I'm thinking I might, you know, in the future next season, just do all 162. This is probably the last year that it's a, it's a small enough, you know, private enough venture that I can just take some time off now and again. 
don't, don't let the listeners get to you, right? If you, yeah. if you need to take a day off, tell them I'm taking a day off. Well, here's the thing. I, I might actually bring in some people to like, you know, sub, like pinch hit for me once in a while. You <laughs> That's know, smart. so That's smart. Yeah. You know, that way I can keep it going and just, you know, bring some new people on, like kind of like Jay Leno filling in for uh, Johnny Carson there at the end. <laughs> yeah. Um, one thing I know, well, so I, I think the win on, so they won, they won the Sunday game, the comeback. And I remember Scott and I talking, cause this is when we still thought it was going to be Scherzer DeGrom for the Mets. Yeah. And I was like, I mean, shit, you almost had to win that Sunday game because you're going up against two of the best pitchers on the planet coming up. Obviously, uh, Walker ended up pitching instead of DeGrom, but the fact that they didn't, you know, get yeah. to Scherzer, they, they got to Scherzer enough to, to, to win the game. I think is massive and it was massive for the confidence, even if it was only yeah. a couple runs. Well, yeah, that was the first time all season that Scherzer has allowed as many hits and runs as he did in the start. So I think that's a positive. You know, the, the best way to beat a really good pitcher is to shut down the opposing offense. You know, that's how we used to deal with Pedro. You know, you, you, you keep it scoreless until late in the game. And I thought it was huge that our pitching stepped up as well as they did. We still didn't put up huge offensive numbers the last couple of nights, but the pitching was, you know, really solid. Herman and Montas. I mean, I wouldn't have taken either one of them to to put up what they did, and and they really stepped up. Like I said, Herman legitimately outpitched Max Scherzer. He only threw eighty six pitches over six and a third innings. He didn't walk anyone, which was huge because he has been walking two two point three batters per nine innings previously right. this inning. So I think Boone talked. I listened to Boone's post game press conference. It's like, yeah, when he pounds the strike zone, he's going to be effective. It's like that yeah. simple. Yeah, and his spin rate, like all the metrics, like him. I think the issue with Herman has always been that he's just not very durable because he always wears down in about August, right? When he starts the season in the rotation, a couple times he's made the rotation out of spring training. And then around August, he turns into a pumpkin. But this year, having that first half of the season off, maybe he's going to be rounding into form, you know, as we go down the stretch and he's going to give us some really valuable innings when a lot of other guys are starting to wear down. Yeah. And then... I still don't know if they're going to start to do anything with Nestor's innings. Um, mm -hmm. Might see that. I, I don't know. Maybe would have seen it already, but at the same time, they haven't had the luxury to do yeah. that because he was, he's really been their best starting pitcher uh, consistently all year, but especially over the past uh, month, we've seen, you know, the ups and downs from Cole where he just has these blow up innings. But I wonder what they do with Nestor's innings. Yeah. Nestor's at 131 innings, but, like you said, he's pitching really well. He's fifth in the league in ERA, 2.68. It wouldn't surprise me if they skip him a start. You know, right now the Yankees have, I think, an eight-game lead, eight or nine, something like that. I, I don't check daily anymore because it's so big. But once you get down to about a week left and you clinch, you know, maybe you can skip him a start. Or maybe you skip him a start in anticipation that you're, you're going to clinch, and then you can have like a tune-up where he throws two or three innings down the stretch just to kind of, you know, take some pressure off. I think if well, you have this big lead, it's going to take pressure off the pitching staff anyway. It's going to be interesting because they play that doubleheader in Texas the last week of the season. So yeah. assuming everything's locked up by then, I mean, shit, if it isn't locked up by, oh. by the second to last day of the season, we've got problems. But you can do some funky things in the last week of the season, getting guys innings in, in yeah. days because you've got, I think it's six games in, uh, in five days or something like that. Right. So, so you can do some funky things there. I think I would love to see Clark Schmidt get a legitimate start at the end of the season. Now, he's a starting pitcher. He's done well out of the bullpen, and, and I think he's earned it. We've seen that. I think a couple of years ago they gave him the start on the final game of the season. I would love to see him just get another 
you know, now that he's more adjusted to the major league, get another chance. Did didn't he also get? Uh, no, he came in in relief of Garrett Cole in Detroit this year. Remember when Cole yeah. walked everyone, and he was really good. He actually kept the Yankees in the game uh, that game. Yeah, I agree. I think he should get a start, but also, do they have like right now? As Boone said, like it wouldn't surprise me if he starts. Wouldn't surprise me if he's long relief. Wouldn't surprise me if we try and get him to close the game. So I don't know that they are going to do that anytime soon. They could also probably go with some kind of a bullpen game with some of the you know, the lower rank arms, you know, if you're trying to get some innings from like a David McKay or something, you know what I mean? They could go with anybody. If, yeah. if you got everything wrapped up, uh, I think they can eat up innings without having to wear down their guys. I think really this stretch, this next seven game stretch is going to be huge. If you can expand this lead to 10, 11 games with essentially a month left, you know, I I don't see any way that they're, they would drop it. Uh, and I think that allows them to kind of line up their arms a little bit better. I mean, even now the math dictates that they're they're not going to yeah. drop it. Like it, it was obviously dwindling. I think we would have yeah. if they got swept by Toronto, it would have been a whole different story because that would have cut it to six versus eight. Mm-hmm. But like, were you getting were you getting a little were a little worried there? I said on my show that I, I had been keeping the proverbial panic button in the safe, and then it moved to the top drawer, and then after the. Uh, Game the other day against the Blue Jays, game three of that series, it was firmly on the deck uh, desk and my hand was like hanging over it. Well, when when Cole gave up, I think it was the four runs in that fifth inning against Toronto, that's when I was like, you know what? They're going to get swept. Yeah. <laughs> I really thought they were going to get swept and it was going to be six games. That felt like rock bottom to me. Oh, also, yeah. we, we didn't even mention um, Zach Britton. You know, we talked about him before we went live. He could be coming back and give us some valuable innings out of the bullpen. And then Miguel Castro, I think everybody forgets about Miguel Castro, but he threw 27 innings so far this year, so he should be still pretty fresh. Good guy who was 5-0 and in relief. So if we're entering October and the bullpen looks like Holmes, Chapman, uh, Castro, Peralta, Marnaccio, Trevino, Efros, that's, that's everyone, right? Britain, Britain, I guess, is the... Is the Did you say the Marinaccio? Ex- yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's probably it. Loizaga uh, and Licky might be the odd men out, assuming everyone else is back and healthy. Yeah, it's really going to depend on how Loizaga is throwing the ball down the stretch. I mean, if, if he rounds into form over these final weeks, and I don't know that he will because he's had a pretty much miserable year, but if he can put together five or six really good outings in a row where he, we're seeing the pinpoint command that he had last year, the devastating changeup, he could sneak his way onto the roster. Like you, you know, said, I, he's been good. His last 12 games, nine and a third innings, six hits, one nine three ERA. He's thrown his sinker more. So Yeah. Yeah, he's got the ERA down under six now. I mean, I guess at large it looks bad, but you know Well, he was so awful in yeah. the first for before he went on the injured list that anything his season's not gonna look good no matter what happens. Right. Michael King, man, I, I wish we hadn't it's lost huge. him. That was it's massive. That was... It's massive. It's massive. He was so freaking good, and he was so versatile, and he he bailed their ass out of so many situations, getting through the seventh and eighth inning. Yeah, it's kind of like that that blow that knocks a fighter's uh, balance off, and you know it's only a matter of time before they're going down. Like when, once he went down, it kind of threw the whole pitching staff out of whack. You, you lost that guy that was. A combination of innings eater and really high leverage pitcher. So, I mean, they got to find somebody who can fill that vacancy. Marinaccio, I think, could be that guy. 31 innings so far this year of a 1.72 ERA. 
uh, hitter. What are hitters hitting against him? I don't, I don't see it, but it, it's around it's around 100, essentially. Yeah, and he, he was starting to get leverage spots before they sent him down. Um, yeah. And then obviously when they were dealing with Holmes walking everyone and Chapman struggling, it's like, well, what the, what the hell is, is Marnaccio pitching in Scranton for guys? Like, like, right. You know, call him up. But yeah, if I had told you on March 31st, well, when Michael King goes down for the season, this team is really going to start to struggle. You'd have been like, yeah. well, who, well, who fucking cares? <laughs> like, so, well, you know, in perspective, but he had been that good. What do you know about this AAA closer they're calling up? I hadn't even heard of this guy other than like seeing he had good numbers, but he was 27. So I just figured he was a journeyman. I don't even recall his name, but I got it right here. Uh, Greg Weissert. He been really good this year all season long. Um, I think I saw that he throws in the uh, mid to upper 90s as a really, really good uh, slider and a good sinker. So Yankees favorite. Wait, they, they who are they optioning for him? I, I would assume Bard, um, but I don't know who okay. the corresponding move will be. Florial's already down for Stanton, so I think, yeah, it's probably going to be Bard. There's really nobody else that you can get rid of at this point. No, and, and you're you're basically just bringing in a fresh arm for the West Coast trip. Yeah. You know, essentially that's what you're doing. And Schmidt pitching last night, I mean, <clears throat> do they send him down because he's not going to be available for a couple days? Like, it sucks if you're Clark yeah. Schmidt. But... That would be about the third time that's happened to him. It's like, here's your reward for three shutout innings. I take it to Scranton. What do you think of Boone trying to get through the ninth with him? Right, like so. This is a key situation in the, in in the ninth inning. You've got uh, Nimmo and Marte coming up, and Peralta was warmed up for Marte, and they stuck with Schmidt. Was that out of desperation or out of trust? I think it was kind of let's see what you're made of. I don't know if it was either trust or desperation. I think it was a test. I think they were seeing, hey, let's see if this guy has it in him to close out this game. He's been good the last couple of innings. But, you know, he wasn't missing a lot of bats, right? He's a con- he's pitching to contact, and that can get you into trouble in the uh, in the ninth inning, especially if you walk somebody. And and losing command, uh, you know, I probably would have gone to Peralta to start the inning, honestly. But I don't blame Boone for, you know, seeing what you got in Schmidt. Just see what kind of stuff he's made of. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Starting the inning with with Schmidt, I wasn't opposed to, but I was I was screaming, bring in Peralta to face Nimmo there. Yep. And then, you know, obviously you've got Marte up after that. So if he if he doesn't get him, you're facing a righty and then the switcher and Lindor. But to Schmidt's credit, I mean, he did get a essentially a chopper to, to second base. That was an yep. infield hit. And he had a tough at bat against Marte. I think there was a, a couple check swings that, you know, he yep. almost got him to bite on a slider, basically. He strikes me as a guy who is just kind of effectively wild. Like his 
His fastball doesn't miss the zone by as much as it did when he first came up, when he kept missing arm side. Remember, he hit somebody in the head from the Marlins because he was breaking down that front side, and you just saw the ball taken off, just hail and arm side. He's corrected his motion a little bit, but his release point is still a little bit erratic, so you'll see him kind of miss right around the edges of the zone, and you, you just don't feel like he has that pinpoint command that you want out of a high-leverage reliever but I could see him eating up innings like he did last night where he's good for middle you know middle three because he's stretched out as a starter yeah and they they were I think they were sticking with him because he had pitched well in the the previous two innings and it was sort of like we're at I think Boone's in a position now with the bullpen it's like you kind of got to just ride the hot hand versus this is my ninth inning guy this is my eighth inning guy like this isn't this isn't Chapman Miller Batances days all right like this this is this is uh, who's pitching well right now, days. But also, you know, the Yankees are kind of equipped for that because they're so into these analytics. They know, essentially, if a pitcher has the ability to execute the plan on any given night and the hitter that they're going to be facing, they know essentially where they're going to hit the ball most of the time. You know, they can shift and they just need the, these guys to throw strikes and be reliable. That's one of the reasons that I think Luis Severino is such a good option out of the bullpen because he pounds the zone. He's not one of these guys who nibbles. He throws 100 and he knows that it's tough to hit. And so he goes up there and just battles you. You know, um, the bullpen is definitely going to be the biggest question going forward for me. Like you said earlier, Clay Holmes coming back is going to be the linchpin of the whole thing. like it might sound simplistic. Does the Yankees championship ride on the the dominance of Clay Holmes? Like let's not let's not put that out there in the universe, but let's just say if he comes back and he's the Clay Holmes from the beginning of the season, and you got a chance to run him out there, you know, for uh essentially every single day because he gets quick outs during the playoffs. I mean, that could be huge. Just think about the the one of the many reasons the first three months they were playing historic baseball is because it was the seventh inning and they had a lead and you went to Kim and Holmes and it was game over. Yeah. Okay, that was one of the many reasons. Also, the starting rotation was pitching six plus innings any night. Also, yeah. the offense was scoring five runs yeah. a game. So it's like you combine that all together, you're going to win a shit ton of games. But it cannot go understated the trickle-down effect that Clay Holmes's dominance had on the rest of that bullpen. Yeah, it it takes a lot of pressure off of everybody else. And when he's not throwing well, it forces other guys into roles where they're not necessarily comfortable. You know, I don't don't think Peralta's a guy who wants to close out games. I don't think he's got that kind of mentality. He's really perfect for that middle relief role. Yeah, but he has got big outs for them. Yeah, And and he's almost, I think, I forget the game situation. Was it against the Reds? He almost got out of a bases loaded situation Peralta did. Yeah, bases loaded, nobody out. He got two quick outs, and then it was like a base hit down the line or something that ended it. Yeah. Another thing that the the bullpen not having these clear defined roles does is it puts Boone in a position where he's got to make more decisions. And that scares me. And, 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 and frankly, it scares me for any manager because anytime a manager is going to have to make three or four or even five bullpen decisions in a game, the chances of something going wrong are pretty freaking high. Right. And, and I'm not the biggest fan of Boone and especially with his in-game decisions. So that is another reason that Clay Holmes coming back and, and you got to get probably one or two other guys to turn back into form, whether it's Chapman, Loisica or Britton. 
That needs to happen if we're going to get through three playoff series with Aaron Boone making bullpen decisions. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I see a lot of people uh, getting on Boone and and uh, chanting fire Aaron Boone, but I really think he's played the cards that he's dealt. You know, I, I can't think of a lot of decisions that he's made that I, I was screaming, no. You know, the other day when uh, I think he went to the pen a little bit early. Was it the pinch hitting situation against Toronto? I, I don't recall the situation, but there was there was one situation earlier es- this week. Espinal was up, and I think Loisica was in. Yes, and and uh, Toronto bluffed they're going to pinch hit Biggio, and then Boone went to uh, who did he bring in? Was it Peralta that he brought in? And then they immediately pinch hit Springer. Right. Yeah. Occasionally he gets played by the opposing manager, but I actually think that you know he's doing a pretty good job this year. This team was never expected to be in the position they're in. Uh, don't play bad... that game though. You can't play that game now. It's like I, I, I they am. were never expected to be in the position they were in. This team, okay, the last three four years has expected to, been expected to win the World Series. Well, okay, coming into this season, coming off of a, a really tough last year, I don't think expectations were that high. I, I know myself and a lot of other commentators were saying, you know, third fourth place this year, and you get off to that great start. I mean, he, I think he he. He managed really well in the first half, and he's a he's a big reason why they got off to the start that they did. Is he? I think he is. I think you know, allowing these guys to find their roles, uh, giving you know Judge the right amount of rest, even though fans and radio shows are saying play this guy every night, play the same lineup. He hears these things, and he's he's you know he's still going with his I guess system, and for the most part, we've kept. Judge healthy. We've kept LeMahieu mostly healthy. You know, Rizzo's had some back stuff, but a lot of our team has has been healthy. The rotation has been more healthy than usual. You know, I, look, I, I'm not going to ride the 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 hate on you, Boone train. You don't but, have much confidence in any of this defensive Boone. Okay, I, I, this is look, it's like you're you're grasping his trust here. Like, look, does does Boone like? Boone has been better this year, certainly, than he was yeah. in previous years. But also the team has been better, right? That goes hand in yeah, hand. Yeah, that's fair. Lo- Logan, uh, is that a cat or a dog on your bed? That's a dog. Okay, what's the dog's name? Jax. Jax could have managed the Yankees <laughs> to a great record in the first half with how well offense, defense, pitching, and bullpen, starting pitching and bullpen was going. That's fair. But all I'm saying is that I'm not pinning this, this down period Solely on Boone. I, I, Certainly I'm, not. I'm, Certainly I'm hearing not. a lot of people say, like, fire Aaron. And I just don't think that he deserves to be fired. I think that definitely Brian Cashman and the player development part of this organization deserve a second look after this season. Because you didn't have any depth. You traded. I mean, let's talk about this, this Montgomery deal and the Montas deal. You traded all of your left-handed pitching. You trade, and, and this is a stadium that's built for left-handed pitchers to succeed. If you can get fly balls to left field, I mean, the history of the Yankees shows that these guys are successful. You deal Monty. You deal J.P. Sears, who's phenomenal. You deal Ken Waldachuk, a top-pitching prospect. And essentially, you've wiped out any left-handed pitching depth that you have. Uh, You know, uh, coming up at a time when you need offense, right? Everybody seems like they're just a little bit too far away. You know, they don't obviously feel like Peraz is ready. Volpe's still a little bit off. I just don't think they've had enough uh, guys in the system. And that's on the player development 
side of things. So I think Cashman is really to blame, if anybody, for the, the team not having enough depth to withstand this downturn, you know, withstand the injuries. Yeah, I mean, that, that's certainly fair. You think about it's like they 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 stuck with Gallo long after it was clear oh, he yeah. was a detriment to the lineup. Because, he quit on this team. Because because uh, I think literally a defense of theirs was, well, who are we going to put in instead? And they didn't have an answer to it. It's like we've seen Florio come up now a handful of times and get opportunities. He's not a major league hitter. No. Okay? No. Florio's not a major league hitter. What's up, Logan? So I I kind of when it comes to the whole Cashman dealing all the pitching, I, I actually I was thinking about it. They dealt one prospect who wasn't a pitcher the entire trade deadline. And I kind of got to thinking like, all right, well, over the past few years, who has dealt or not pitching that came up in the Yankee system succeeded? You know, you have yeah. your game Caprillion. I mean, JP Sears is having a good year. You know, you know, I uh, still don't know what, you know, he's going to be. You know, Waldachuk was a quick riser. He was not a top prospect a few years ago. You know, to me, Justice Sheffield, I mean, they, you know, they cut bait on him. Chance Adams. I mean, you know, the list kind of goes on of they can't develop pitching. They just can't do it. That's yeah. to Derek's point is that the player development. No, 100%. I mean, it's like he, on the one hand, you say, well, it's like, well, the best player in the league is developed their system. Sure. sure. But also, like, look at guys who we thought were going to be cornerstones of this franchise get worse. And like Gary Sanchez got so bad that they had to ship his ass out of there. We thought he was going to be the best catcher in baseball after 2016, 2017. And that didn't happen. Glaber Torres for a while looked like he was going to play himself off the team because how, how bad he had taken a turn under them. And then, yeah, you can't name an offensive player they've called up in the past three years. You know, I, I recently went back and reread the baby bombers book by Brian Hope. Yeah. And yeah. there's not a lot of baby bombers left. You know, it's, yeah, Greg Bird is gone. No, he's uh, back. He's back. Oh, oh wait, he was gone. He's back. That's right. But he, he, his his prospects as a major league player are gone. You do uh, not disparage Mr. March on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've got um, we've got some pretty decent prospects. Like it seems at the mid levels, like Double A seems like it's you know Austin Wells looks like he can hit. I feel really good about Anthony Volpe the season he's having. Uh, Jason Dominguez looks good. But the odds are that not all these guys are going to work out. If you hit one and, out of three, you're doing a really good job. Right. But then you got guys who seem to come from out of nowhere, like Marinaccio. You know, he was never a big prospect. Bullpen arms have... So we got to also, on the flip side, give credit to Cashman and his team where it's due. They've always developed bullpen arms. Like, down the list, the last 14 years, always had bullpen arms. Yeah, I, Chad Green was somebody who was acquired as a starting pitcher, and they turned him mm -hmm. into a dominant reliever. David Robertson, Loisaga for a time. Hopefully, he can get it back. Batances, but yeah, obviously, right. like, was amazing. Yeah. I want to see Stephen Ridings come back in September. He he was so electric when he debuted last year. I mean, this guy, 101 miles an hour with a really good spin rate and a filthy breaking ball, but he appears to be one of those guys that's just going to constantly have injury issues because he's pushing pushing the boundaries of what's humanly possible, you know? Yeah, so getting back to your points, like Boone, the, the fire Boone chance, I think there was, uh, I don't know if you saw him joking with Michael Kay, uh, who asked, like, oh, did you hear the fire Boone chance? He's like, yeah, it made me stand up taller or whatever. It's yeah. like, okay, yeah, the fire Boone chance are out of frustration with yeah. how bad the team was playing. Like, no one, even Jax the dog, couldn't manage uh, when the team is scoring 1.9 runs a game. It's like, 
yeah, the manager's going to look bad when your team scores less than two runs a game. So I get it. It's it's the players need to start playing better. Yeah. Um, I don't think Boone should be fired. I mean, if they if they completely collapse this year, then that's a different story. But I still really highly question Boone's in-game decisions. And I also have seen this team over the past three seasons not respond during adversity under the under the management of Aaron Boone. Now that, that's fair. That's they've fair. they've faced adversity the past month and a half. Hopefully, this recent three-game winning streak is a sign of good things to come. But if they play mediocre baseball from here on out and get bounced in the playoffs, then that's four years in a row. This yeah. team has not responded under Aaron Boone when they've faced adversity. Yeah, I'm not on the Boone, uh, you know, firing train yet. But if they did get bounced in the first round, I'd probably you'd probably see a video from me the next day that said fire Aaron Boone. You know. But I still believe that even if they did fire Aaron Boone, they would just replace him with Boone 2.0. They honestly <laughs> Brett Boone. <laughs> um, well, look, it's all speculation at this point. It's going to just come down to how they play. But I really think that this team has a certain energy when they're clicking. That's different than the last couple of years. Yeah, right? I, agree. I agree. The the and I know he catches a lot of flack. I think IKF is a spark plug for this team. You know, he gets a lot of um, late, you know, singles, uh, you know, late in the game to drive in a run. That's something they didn't have, even though it's not like a huge uh, statistical thing for him, but just a contact hitter late in the game. I think Donaldson, even though he's not hitting, has brought a ton to this team on the defensive side. You know, especially yeah, Don- Donaldson has been actually, uh, it's funny. As productive as I thought, but just in a different way, right? Yeah. Like I wasn't expecting elite defense from him and I was expecting pretty good offense. You know, if he's on the field, I figured you'd get like a 115 to 125 WRC plus because that's what he's been his entire career. And it's kind of been the opposite. He's been a pretty mediocre to below average hitter, but an elite defender. Yeah, it's it's been odd the way that's worked out. I think Aaron Hicks is probably the biggest disappointment offensively, you know, saying he wanted to have a 30-30 year, and he's been just – he just hasn't been able to get it going. It seems like he'll Three have – Three more years. It, is it just me, or does it seem like he'll have one or two really good games and look like yes. he's coming out of it and then get cold again, like he out had of a nowhere? 19, he had a, we, looked, we were doing this uh, on a recent episode. He had a 19-game stretch in July where he had, like, a 900 OPS, and otherwise he's been, like, a 600 or worse OPS Ugh. player. Awful, awful. Trevino's been been good. He adds a lot of energy to this team. Yeah. I mean, have, just having him as a defensive presence is going to be different in the playoffs because now you can throw balls in the dirt and not have them be a double. Yeah, I mean, we were talking, we did midseason awards. Judge got MVP, but Trevino was the second place finisher in the first half. Yeah. Logan, you had something on Hicks, I think? No, not on Hicks. I, I just want to tie the bow up on Greg Weiss, who they are reportedly are calling up. He's 27, uh, from Long Island, uh, went to Fordham, was drafted in 2016 in the 18th round. Uh, this year, having a really good year, he has not allowed a run in 23 straight appearances. He's got uh, 34 strikeouts and 24 and a third innings pitched since June 8th. Um, 34 strikeouts and 21 innings? Uh, 34 strikes, 24 in a third innings. Okay. So like, you know, 10 more than innings pitched. Yeah. Uh, and he does, he throws a two seam, a sinker, a slider and a good changeup. They say, all right. Can't wait. And he kind of the... looks like Michael King when he pitches his, uh, oh, wind he throws up. little cross, little cross arm, yeah, cross exactly. body action. Okay. Hopefully his elbow doesn't explode. <laughs> <laughs> can't, 
can't wait for the for the Michael K. Fordham Fordham soliloquy uh, <laughs> on the broadcast. Um, I wanted to get your your thoughts on a couple of roster things, but quickly I wanted to touch on the uh, a big play from Tuesday night's game, okay. where it was when the Mets tied the game on the double to the outfield, and uh, uh, Alonzo was running around third trip, and then Glaber hesitated. Lost focus on the runner, lost focus on who was covering the bag. IKF wasn't covering the bag. Um, and then obviously I thought Michael Kay and Cone were pretty, pretty, pretty harsh on on Glaber during the broadcast. Yeah, that was definitely a, a Trojan's boner of the week award nominee. Uh he um it it seemed to me like he he was confident he could beat out McNeil in getting back to the bag, like he could outrun him. But then after like two steps, he realized, oh, yeah, that's right. I'm really slow. That's that's you can see the look on his face like, oh, and you just knew that the second he dove, I, I saw him like. You you could see just like for a brief second in baseball when someone's about to make a decision where it's like, what are you doing? I saw him kind of break into that stance where he's about to dive. And I said, there's a runner on third. What are you doing? And uh, oh, man, it was just awful. That was a and tough it, one. It could have been detrimental because obviously, like the offense isn't scoring, and it's like that that play could have loomed large. It's those types of play plays from Glaber over the past three years that have just bugged the crap out of me because he just has those mental lapses, and they've certainly been fewer and f- fewer this year than they were yeah. in 2020 and 2021. But he still every now and again has them. That kind of goes into the conversation uh, before we wrap up. I want to have about. Again, talking about playoffs and how they're going to make up this roster, 26-man roster, probably 13 pitchers. Maybe they go 12 pitchers with an extra bench spot. How do you think they make up the – assuming guys are back and healthy, how do you think they make up the bench in the playoffs? Um, I think Oswaldo Cabrera has played himself into the bench. You obviously have to carry a catcher, so that's Higashioka. I don't think Marwin Gonzalez has done enough to warrant a bench spot. If Matt Carpenter's back, you have to carry him. Yeah. Right. You know, Matt Carpenter, his health is going to determine so much for this playoff roster. I mean, if Michael King and Matt Carpenter. God oh, damn man. it. I know. I mean, the guy was essentially Babe Ruth for a month and a half. And he and he was it wasn't like one of those things where it was Shane Spencer, where you were just waiting for the potion to to wear off. He looked like he was having great at bats even when he was making outs. He just he was he spitting was. on close pitches. We, we were seeing doubles. We were seeing him rip balls down the line. He was back. Uh, and He now, also brought a mentality to this team that I think they needed. Um, you, know, you know, I'm a sucker for that type of play. Uh, yeah. You know, no batting gloves, no no arm gear, just going to take a ball off the arm and, and trot to first base sort of mentality that I think he brings. Yeah. So I, I think the final roster spot is going to come down to somebody who can pinch run. It's either going to be... LeCastro or Bader, depending on, you know, if Bader's healthy, uh, he might even play, you know, he might be your starting center fielder. And then it's like, do you leave Hicks off? I probably would in yeah, favor, of, say, in favor of LeCastro. At that just, point, you know, what they, is Hicks they seem, doing? They seem to like LeCastro as just that pinch running weapon more than as a starting center fielder, which is why they went out and got Bader. But I mean, I would line it up like this. This is how I would do my lineup. I'd have Ben and in left, Judge in center. Rizzo at first, Stanton at DH for the whole playoffs, LeMahieu at second, and then Torres as your DH with the option, you know, if, if Carpenter Wait, is ready. You just said Stanton DH. Oh, sorry. All right. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Uh, 
Torres as your uh, second base. You know what? Yeah. So Lemayhu's going to play second base. Uh, Lemayhu at third base. Sorry. And okay. then Torres at second base. Yeah. Uh, and then right field would be either Cabrera or Carpenter, and then Trevino and IKF, or if they call it Peraza. So that forces, uh, you know, one of probably you know, Bader maybe to the bench. I don't know. Maybe you use him well, late, so late in the this, game. This is the this is the the thing here, right? It's like as you're talking through this, you're trying to figure out, okay, does Bader even have a role here? And so it's yeah. like again, I come back to if we're questioning if Bader has a role on the postseason roster. I understand he might be your center fielder next season, but I don't think that's worth it to trade away Montgomery for maybe on the bench, yeah. maybe playing defense in, in late situations in the playoffs. Yeah, and, that, and, seemed, that seemed like a bad move from the very minute it happened. <laughs> and we, we were questioning, it's like, well, did Cashman think he had another deal on the table and then that just fell through, ran out of time or whatever it is. It's still inexcusable. Yeah. Um, so... It's interesting that you have Carpenter or Cabrera. I mean, Cabrera's made <laughs> gold glove highlight level plays at every position he's played. I know he dropped yeah. the pop-up at second base, but I mean, shit, he's throwing out runners from right field. He's never played right field before. He's yeah. robbing home runs. I mean, it's really exciting. He hasn't hit yet, but the energy he's brought on defense has been has been really yeah. fun. Um, Donald, uh, yeah, Donaldson, he's, he's not playing, but he's on the roster. He might have to be dropped from the roster, honestly. I, I don't see a way they would do that, but he wouldn't be on my roster. If he's not starting, he's almost not really valuable to you. Right. But then I, if if Lemayhu's playing third base in my scenario, which I had two I had two DHs, but <laughs> if, if 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 Lemayhu is playing third base, you're not gonna bring somebody else in for defense and he's a better hitter than Donaldson. I right. say you just run them out there for the sp- it's a sprint at this point. I say you run everybody who's the the best players will play and they're going to play every inning. So I don't think you need Donaldson. He's not going to pinch run. He's you don't trust him to pinch hit because he can't hit fastball anymore. And I wouldn't put him in there over DJ at third base. So you know, in in my mind, he's off the roster. Yeah, in that scenario, he's off the roster. If they're starting him at third base, you're starting Lemayhu at second and then Glaber becomes a backup and you're yeah. infield. And then you don't probably carry Cabrera in that situation because you've got Glaber to play second and short, which is, you know, scary in and of itself. If he's, I don't want Glaber at shortstop. If he's going game. to shortstop, but like that's the decision they're going to be making here. And now I, I also want Carpenter because if someone's going to have to pinch hit late in the game, like, yeah, give me Matt Carpenter off the bench. But that yeah. does remove some flexibility from you if you're putting Matt Carpenter on the bench. Yeah, I want Matt Carpenter in right field if he can play right field, uh, if, if he's back. And then, you know, th- maybe that that allows you to carry, you know, one of those extra outfielders, whether it's Bader, whether it's LaCastro, they can go in for Carpenter late in the game. Uh, but he's just such a deadly left-handed bat. You've got to have that in the playoffs if he's even remotely able to. Yeah, so uh, it's going to be cer- certainly interesting what they do. Obviously, we're, we're we're talking in scenarios where everyone's healthy, and that's never the case. So, so yeah, uh, these problems, as they say, tend to work themselves out. Uh, I just hope that we we got all the main core guys healthy. Like, I want a healthy Stanton in the playoffs because he's money in the playoffs. Obviously, you can't afford to lose Judge. 
got to keep LeMahieu healthy going forward. Be nice to have Rizzo 100% healthy and Trevino healthy. Other than that, and, and Ben Sandy, you know, juggle some guys. I think the, the main core healthy has a good shot. Logan, what was that stat you pulled on Stanton earlier in his in his uh, high level runners on base OPS or something? Yeah, so he like he's kind of having a weak season. Like he's hitting two twenty eight, which is like not him. Eight oh seven OPS is good. One twenty eight OPS plus is kind of like a okay season for him. But all his like high leverage numbers. I mean, in high leverage on baseball reference, he's got a one dot two one three OPS in, in seventy five plate appearances. Uh, with runners in scoring position, uh, nine eighty six OPS, one sixty one OPS plus. Uh, just behind in a game, 969 OPS, 176 OPS plus. So all his numbers, like in like the spots where the Yankees have been struggling. Yeah. Very good. Very good. And and he's so strong that he can get beat on pitches and hit him out to right field. We saw that against Bieber in the playoffs. Uh, we saw it against Verlander, I believe, earlier this year. You know, he, get, he gets beat on a fastball and he can still take it out just because he's so strong. And not a lot of guys can do that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right, though. If they've got that core offense healthy for the playoffs, they should have enough on the pitching side. I mean, the pitching has been good even during the, the month of August, but they should have enough on the pitching side, assuming Clay Holmes comes back. It's yeah. like core offense healthy, Clay yeah. Holmes, he's not going to be as dominant as he was in the first half because that's probably unrealistic, but he's got to be close. Yeah, Holmes is Holmes is the key. I mean, he is... He is the linchpin that holds this whole bullpen together. So let's hope we get him healthy. All right. That's going to wrap it up for today. Derek, thank you so much for, for joining. That was a lot of fun. Appreciate it, guys. Uh, anytime. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.